I, I was learning how to use Zoom and everything because I was doing that uh, like for interviews and stuff. And so I'm like getting used to it. Yeah, Bill and I have been doing this for a minute now. So uh, it's interesting because you get to meet people from all over the country. We did somebody who was in Dublin. Uh, oh. uh, so you would never talk to these people. It's just amazing. You know, at first I was poo-hooing it. Right. And now I'm like, it's, it's amazing. It's an yes. amazing tool. Yes, absolutely. I'm just connecting us, trying to connect us down. Hey, don't forget yeah. to press record. Yeah, no, no. I backed us up on Zoom, too, in case we have a, another disaster like we had last week. Uh-oh. We had a great comic come on who was from Colorado, and something happened with our Facebook stream, and it just wouldn't go on. Okay. So. Yeah, this is pretty laid back, you know? Good. <laughs> Well, for me, anyway. Okay, what are you drinking over there? Are you drinking lemonade, or is that vodka lemonade? What is that? Um, orangina. <laughs> orangina. Ah, okay. With um, seltzer, raspberry okay. seltzer. Okay. And uh, vodka. <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> A little liquid courage never hurt. Well, that's why this show is called After Hours. We do it. <laughs> When we're in the studio doing this, and we're pretty much straight edge. It's coffee. It's during the day. Uh, Hang on one second. I'll be right back. No worries. Bill gets nervous. He always has to pee before we start. Right? That's how it works. <laughs> Look at the Facebook Live thing. <laughs> what that means, right? He's got to go call his son. Right. Oh, man. Hopefully, we'll be recording this week. So, you're in California? I am. Yes, I'm in the Sacramento area. Are you, are you uh, threatened by the fires? Well, no, you know, thank goodness. Let, let's save this for the show. All right. Because we're, we're wasting it right now. <laughs> but remind me of it if I, in case I forget, because I'm very forgetful. All right. I want to talk about that. Hang on, Mark. I'm just making sure we're going to the live stream. I had a problem with it. Where's your son, man? I, I'm, I just called him. <laughs> yeah, can we just like chip in? I, I'll be down to chip in, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it says, stop, should I stop the live stream and then start it over? All right, let's see what happens. Okay. See, this is where it was at before. And then it just didn't. See if anything, you got your Windows Defender open at the bottom. Where? There. There? Yeah. <laughs> 
So I could go on Facebook, I mean on YouTube, but I have to look up there. Should I try to go on YouTube? All right, Mark, you know, let's just start going and uh, because we're being recorded on Zoom, but it's just not going up on uh, Facebook Live right now. All right. So just uh, we'll, we'll start. We'll let's start the show right now. Alrighty, man. Sorry, I apologize to our uh, to our, okay. our listeners, our patient guests, and our listeners. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're coming to you live from New York City uh, with another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Bill Cannon, my partner in all things law enforcement. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I I'm sorry about these technical difficulties we've been having lately, but uh, that's, you know, we need engineers. We need to move up in this world so we don't have to do this shit ourselves, you know? Yeah, I know. It's amazing that we even do this little bit that we do. It really truly is. Um, but listen, you know, you, we're up, we're running, and uh, we have a phenomenal guest today. Um, I'm very excited to have her uh, join us. Her, um, what she's going to talk to us about is really, really interesting, and I have a lot of questions. So uh, without further ado, what do you think, Bill? You want to introduce her? No, she actually, your, your, I guess your maiden name is Salazar, right? Yes. And you're Brianna and you're, it's O'Daniel. So mm -hmm. that, that's your married name? Yes. Um, okay. Currently, I was, I'm going through a divorce right now. So, um, so hear that. keeping the same last name, my kids have the same last name. So. Okay. So you, you got to go through life pretending you're Irish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm the farthest thing from it. <laughs> we, we have a lot of experience with Irish people here. And I happen to be Irish and we had the Irish uh, angel from Dublin on the, on the show a few weeks ago. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun, you know. Well, uh, Brianna is a forensic clinician. She specializes in sex trafficking, and uh, she's here to talk to us a little bit about that today. And uh, what a big, what a, what a, um, that's another pandemic we got going on with the sex trafficking. Yes, it is. So, uh, you are, uh, what is it that you actually do? You're in California, right? Yeah, so I'm in the Sacramento area. Um, I, have been working with sex offenders in general for the last three years. Um, more specifically, I've focused on sex trafficking and the perpetrators of sex trafficking. Um, and I've developed a curriculum in particular that I use with those guys because it's very different than our typical sex offenders that we treat. Um, and they are required to see us once they get out on parole, um, at least in California, that's how that works. Um, so they're required to do it their entire time that they're on parole. And so I took over this program of working with sex traffickers themselves and um, kind of focusing more on the treatment needs for them in particular, because 
there's a lot of other issues um, that we're seeing with that particular population rather than just sex offenders as a whole. Oh, but how, what do you, how do you differentiate, differentiate between someone who's a sex trafficker and someone who's a sexual offender? So right now they're actually put into the exact same category, um, which was the issue that we were having. So like, for example, in groups and things like that, that we were running, we were seeing that there was this hierarchy um, in the group and there was this idea of, oh, well, I don't have a victim. She was already out doing this, things like that versus our guys that are in there for rape or um, child molestation or things like that. There's this idea of hiding behind that because they're, you know, they're scared to talk about it because of how it is in the prison system. Right. Um, but our guys that are on the sex trafficking side, a lot of it has to do with status and things like that within the gangs that they're in as well. And so that's kind of what I was saying is that there was a lot of that going on in the groups when we had everybody mixed up. You know, it's funny, we, we have a, a, a female detective uh, that has been on the show a couple of times. She said that the, the bloods have gotten out of the business of drugs and they're now into the business of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Have you found that too in California? Yeah, so we have a lot of different gangs here in the Sacramento area. A lot of them are kind of at each other's throat right now. Uh -huh. um, and surprisingly, um, when I would have them in groups together, they would let me know when they're in rival gangs and things like that. Um, but they were able to keep it together in the group setting, which was interesting. Um, they kind of left that stuff out on the streets. But when they came into group, it was like they all got along well, you know, fist bumps, things like that. But yeah, we're seeing that a lot, that there's a lot more of selling of women um kids women men all different people actually um right. and you know that's a big thing that we've noticed that it's transitioned to rather than just you know selling drugs it's normally now it's moving mm -hmm. on to selling people wow. what so, talking about the groups here what, what, what is that the groups so the groups that i do um is basically like it's broken up typically it's all sex funders are all in the same group it doesn't matter what so their offense is for the meetings yeah, so um, in California, we have, there's other states that do this too, but there is a law where they have to, once they come out of prison, go to groups um, every single week for either three hours if they're considered high risk, which would be based off of a score that they received in prison, or an hour and a half a week that would be, again, based off a score they received in prison that would consider them non-high risk. Um, typically, we see our sex traffickers are, 99% of them are considered high risk because of their histories. Um, and that's how they score them is based off their criminal history, how old they were when they committed their offense, whether their victim was male or female, whether it was a child or an adult, whether it was someone they knew or didn't know. There's a lot of things that go into factors when deciding if they're high risk or not. So you're talking about this is a room full of pimps, basically. Yes. And you're, you're supposed to heal these pimps? <laughs> what did you say? Do they come dressed up like that? Like in the no. Yeah, yeah. Now that's old school. <laughs> they have the big hat with the feather up top and then nah, that's and me. I come, like that. I come in like that. Nobody has shoes <laughs> with the, the goldfish in it? Nope. <laughs> so, so basically, in order to get um, you know, charged with this crime, you have to be able to prove first off that the person that, that's being arrested is the one that supplied the the, the female and she was there obviously against her will, but um, also to, uh, against her will, even to another level. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's basically pimping her out, but she's not even from this country usually, or maybe she's a, a under- Oh, actually, most of them are from this country. So a lot of them tend to be in the streets 
tend to have some way of a connection sometimes with these guys in general, whether they're females that are in the gang or not, or it could be even our CSEC youth. So our children that are in, you know, foster systems or things like that that come out. And a lot of these guys, I want to use the word prey, they prey upon them because they know that they are vulnerable. They know that this is somebody that they could talk into. Hey, I'll buy you this. I'll buy you that. All you got to do is do this for me, making it feel like this is something that they can do very easily and make all of this money and that this pimp is just going to hold the money for them. Um, And that's, that tends to be what we see when we think sex trafficking. I think that's like a big that's something that a lot of people don't understand too, is like a lot of people automatically assume, you know, it's with, you know, from another country or from another state when it can just be from one county to the next. Um, And it's that easy that a lot of these guys get these charges that they're moving some girl from, for example, in my area, Sacramento County to Placer County. Um, And it can be that easy for them to do that and then get charged with a sex trafficking charge. So that's what happens. They find them in one location and they bring them to an, like get them away from their family and their friends, obviously, right? Yep. You put them in another location and then they start pimping them out, right? Yeah. So it could just be that they went to, there's one night where they went to a hotel in Placer County to drop the girl off and all of a sudden they get caught up and right there's a sex trafficking charge. It doesn't matter how many times they would have brought them over or anything. It could just be one time. Wow. Now, do they specifically prey on certain areas like bus stations, train stations, airports? Is that where they find most of their uh, people that they force into uh, human trafficking or, or sex trafficking? So a lot of the time, as weird as it is, it can happen as simple as going to a grocery store. It starts out, a lot of them start out, and I'm sure you guys have heard of the different types of pimps. They start out as like, I'm going to smoothie this girl. I'm going to tell her she's beautiful and I'm going to make her feel like a million bucks, basically. I'm going to take you to go and get your hair done and your nails done and things like that. And they can tell when the girl's feeding off of it. It's when the girls don't feed off of it that they typically turn into more, more aggressive with it. Um, And even then, like if they get a girl to come in and they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to go get your hair done. All of a sudden the girl's starting to pull away. Most of the time we see that these pimps will turn from a boyfriend pimp, which is exactly what I just described, to a gorilla pimp, which would be more aggressive. Uh Um, And that would include, you know, beating them or, you know, doing things like that where it would be more of an aggressive style. Um, Pretty quickly they can change to that. And these girls, what kind of families do they mostly come from? Because I would imagine if you had like a like somebody more of an like, style, um, pretty quickly they can change to that. And these girls, what kind of families do they mostly come from? Because I would imagine if you're I'm sorry, but I was I was actually trying to go live on YouTube also, and uh, oh, okay. that's why that just happened. I'm sorry. I <laughs> have so some real technical difficulties tonight. Billy's losing a vase over there. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking things up from behind, behind the curtain. <laughs> it may actually be going live on YouTube. <laughs> so, so typically the types of families and stuff that we see the victims come from can be broken families, um, which is something that we would think of, right? So normally it's people that are really, really wanting the attention. Um, I think a lot of people assume like daddy issues, right? We hear that all the time. Um, It's a lot more than just that. There's a lot of like wanting to feel loved, wanting to belong, which everybody wants, right? But if you come from somewhere where you feel like 
you've never gotten that. And all of a sudden this guy that's maybe attractive to you or something is showing you this love and attention you've been seeking. Um, A lot of the time, that's the type of people we see that fall for that. And this can be your typical teenage girl too, um, who's never had a boyfriend before. And maybe this is her first experience and her friends telling her about it. So that's kind of like, there's a lot of misconceptions around this stuff is like, there's a lot of an idea of it's going to be these particular girls in general. The problem is a lot of our kids, they're not told about this stuff at a young age. So they don't know what to look out for. They don't know that this stuff is out there because a lot of parents tend to kind of keep that away from them. Um, when in actuality, this is, this is something that should be taught at a young age so that we, we can educate these young girls and boys, I want to say both, um, on this kind of stuff because there's their friends that might get into it and they may come and pull them into it too, which is what we see as well. Um, so that's hopefully that kind of answered your question. You know, it's amazing. I, I used to teach college and a, a guy came up from uh, Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. He was trying to recruit uh, some students from this college to join the Myrtle Beach police force. And he had one of his parts of his speech was that how prevalent human trafficking and sex trafficking is in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of shocked at that. I was like, wow, this sort of little, well, it's not really a little town, but uh, I, 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 didn't, I don't know much. I mean, I used to see it in the 80s, you know, when Times Square was a sewer and the Port Authority, the pimps would go there and just, you know, basically kidnap girls from, because they could spot the runaways. Right. At the Port Authority. But since New York City's been cleaned up, we don't see it as much. I'm sure it still exists. Absolutely. We don't see it as much, you know. Yeah, and it's not always the easiest to spot either. A lot of, um, and I was talking to this with uh, one of the law enforcement officers out here recently. A lot of the times when people think pimps, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the feather in your hat, or things like that. <laughs> you know, there's this idea of what they look like. And, you know, you, you see some of the guys that come into my office and, you know, a lot of them are charmers, the way that they talk. They look very plain Jane in a way. There's different ways they talk to people. Um, they don't come across as aggressive when you meet them until you don't do what they're asking. And I've even witnessed that myself, um, working with them in a professional setting. There's, they're very quickly to want to fire you per se, um, even though they don't have that choice. Uh, but there's that idea of like, you know, you're, they want to manipulate everything. And that includes myself also, like I said, in a professional setting. So there's that idea of, you know, there's these young girls that are impressionable when you're a teenager. And I think back when I'm a teenager or when I was a teenager and that idea of like- Was it not only about two or three years ago? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that idea that you just want to fit in with everybody. Um, And if your friends are doing it, why not? Why don't I do it too, you know? And so there's that piece of it. Oh, hey, you can make some money if you do this. Oh, cool. Then I can go and buy some new shoes or whatever. You know, there's that idea of like, there's these ways that they kind of manipulate and they pull other girls or guys into it to also help with that manipulation um, and get other people involved. Hey, do you think there's, um, with the sex trafficking and then Weinstein and now, uh, like, is this an underground culture? Like, for example, like this movie, uh, Cuties, that's on Netflix right now. Um, like, are we trying to normalize this deviant behavior? Like, are we trying to come to, come to a place where pedophilia is all of a sudden is not frowned upon anymore? And, 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 and sex trafficking is, is not the end of the world? You know what I'm saying? If you have the money? Is that what we're yeah. doing? Well, and that's the scary thing, right? So we are, I just recently saw that whole thing with the cuties thing. And I know that's been a big topic uh, with our parole department here and some of 
the parolees and probation clients talking about it. Um, the idea that number one, they're not allowed to watch porn or watch things like that of any kind. And now there's this weird, like, you know, thing that it's getting by because it's not necessarily porn, even though it doesn't seem right at all what's being shown in these videos and things like that on Netflix. But it's that idea of like, it's normalizing these behaviors. And we have people, you know, that are in the media and stuff, the different rap artists or R&B artists or pop artists that are normalizing these behaviors and looks that um, little girls, I think, idolize or they look up to. And there's these different dances, like in the video or in the Netflix show, twerking, right? Um, there's that idea of like, this is sexy. This is something that people do. And I mean, <laughs> it's, it's hard to even fathom these little girls being filmed doing this um, and then being put on live TV for everybody to watch. Um, I think with them being so young, that's not going to be an easy thing to hear about when you're older. You know what I mean? And you actually know what was happening behind that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in watching it just because I don't want to be in that enraged because I know right. it's going to make me angry. Um, and then what do I do with that? Right. They're already warning me and there's nothing I can really do about it. You know what right. I'm saying? Other than this, this is, this is our platform. This is Bill and I's platform. Yeah. But, uh, that kind of stuff, you know, that I just want to, I want to kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? I want to just freaking, I have a daughter, she's 21 right. and you know, thank God she's almost past that age where, you know, and, and even then it's like, I worry about her. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you know, the sad, the sad part too, and this is kind of going away from that part of it, but sex trafficking in general in this area, a lot of my guys that I work with are like, free. we, you know, we'll take them to Placer County because there's money in Placer County. Um, and that's, unfortunately, that's where they're getting their money from. That's who's paying for it is some of the older men that are here that are paying for these young girls that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere. So they know that they can do this behind closed doors. And there's certain hotels here that literally on the front door, it says, you can be searched by the police at any point. Like that's literally what it says on the front door of the hotels. And we know where those hotels are. We know that that's happening there. And I mean, what's being done about it, you know? Well, if it's such a huge problem, it's probably mm -hmm. so tough for the police to enforce it. I'm sure they have like vice squads and stuff yes. like that, but yeah. if it's that big a problem, they, they can't go out every night and make arrests on it. Right, absolutely. But well, they have major investigations, but you know how many Jeffrey Epstein's are there across this right. country? You know, right. And the powerful people that are committing these crimes. Right, know? exactly. So that one I watched. Problem. Yeah. yeah, and I actually I do work with. Um, so I recently took on a position with um, being an ICI instructor. So I'm working with human trafficking investigations. Um, and that's through POST, which in California, I don't know if they do the same thing out there, but in California, they do a program basically to train law enforcement um, once they're done with the academy and stuff like that on different topics. And right now, this one's on human trafficking. So I actually talk on the perpetrator side of stuff about things that I'm witnessing while I'm in treatment that maybe could help them in kind of understanding these guys better, or maybe ways to approach them, or, you know, kind of where they come from, things like that, because those are things that I notice. Um, personality disorders, criminogenic needs, things like that that pop up while I'm in group with these guys. Um, so I did start doing that recently and I did my first training, was it last one? August, in August, so. I don't understand, how do you treat a pimp? I, I really, how do you treat a pimp from not being a pimp? I don't <laughs> give you anti-pimp training. How do you do that? It, like, it's almost like being a pedophile. It's like, how do you, how do you treat somebody 
to not be able to take advantage of somebody and make money from it. It's right. it's a win-win, you know? Right. So the biggest thing for me is, um, so originally when I first started, a lot of people were saying, oh, a male clinician needs to work with these guys. But I had told them up front, I was like, I have no fear in doing this, number one. And number two, they're going to have to deal with women out in society every single day of their life. So why are we giving them exactly what they want by working with a male when they got to learn how to deal with a female authority figure? Not only that, a lot of them don't have positive female role models in their life in general. They didn't have moms around or maybe mom was prostituting when they were a kid sometimes or selling drugs or things like that. So a lot of the time I utilize myself as that figure for them. And we talk a lot about trauma. We talk a lot about their history. We talk a lot about um, all the different things that they've been through, what led them to this point and what they're doing and why they're doing it. So a lot of the time I do realize that people do go back to what they're used to, right? So things like selling drugs, a lot of people go back to it. Selling women, same thing. I mean, it's something that comes easy for them. So a lot of the times we talk about other ways to use that. So you're a great salesperson, right? So you obviously get people to buy your products. So how do we change that into something that's more of a positive way of doing that? I get you don't like working with people, but you obviously do this well. So what can you do instead in order to still make money and not have to look over your shoulder every single freaking day looking to see if law enforcement is following you around or if they're showing up at your hotel room or things like that. So it's a lot of that, a lot of me working hand in hand with our parole agents. So um, I have always been on call with them whenever needed um, because I like to have them come into the sessions sometimes. Granted, you go, a lot of you go into prisons too? No, so this is actually after prison. So when they come out of prison, this is what happens. I wish- so this, this, is man, this is mandated by the state as part of the probation, parole, whatever, right. parole. Right. right. Yeah. So it's sex offender treatment. Um, it's for anybody that is a sex offender in general. It's just recently we decided to separate our sex traffickers and our pimps from the rest of the sex offenders. That's easy. Um, you just have the guys with the hats, you put them over the other, <laughs> the other sex. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things too, that as a woman working in this field, it's, it can be really empowering too. Right. So the idea that, you're working with people that number one, nobody wants to work with, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't believe in this, don't believe in these guys in general, which is okay. But for me personally, I feel like just seeing just a few come out of this and actually do something good with their lives makes it worth it. I know that, um, you know, I, on my end of things, I've been a victim, not of this, but of a sex offense myself. And so having been a victim before, for me to go into this type of work, it's empowering because it feels like I could be doing work with victims, but why not go to the source of the people that are creating the victims, right? right? So being able to do that has been amazing, you know, and I've actually enjoyed all of it. It's been good to actually see some of these people come out of this in a positive way. And sometimes they'll come back after they're done with treatment and be like, thank you so much for everything you did or bring me their ankle monitor chargers <laughs> to give to the next well, guy. You, know, you would hope that you are making a difference because that means right. they're not going to reoffend, you know, right. and that, that's, that's an important thing. You know, we, I worked a lot. Um, I was in, I was in homicide, but on the same floor as us was Manhattan special victims. Mm -hmm. So, because I was a boss, I would go out with them sometimes in their cases, and some of their cases were fascinating, but some of them were also so heartbreaking. Right. And they were so they were such good investigators because 
they knew how to investigate that very specific crime. Right. And they knew they were great at find, finding out when people were lying because there's a lot of lying going on in that. I'm sure in, in what you do, right. they try to lie to you all the time. Absolutely. And that's the whole idea of me working with their agents too, is the idea that they're on ankle monitors. So if they tell me, no, I'm not going back to gang activity, but yet they're over in their area that they used to hang out in all the time. And we know exactly what happens in that area. Then I bring it up, you know, I'm and glad you have the transformer that you could give them a little shock into their ankle bracelet. If they right? That would be nice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> little shock color. <laughs> it's like, no. it's like the dog fence. You know, yes, they go outside their yard. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> How long do you have these guys for? Or these these uh, perpetrators, uh, uh, sex offenders for? What'd you say to them? What's the what's the average amount of time that you actually have? Like in the group, like how long does somebody stay in a group? Is it a year, two years, three years? They got to come back for five years. Three o'clock at uh, three o'clock. Three <laughs> three years is the minimum. Um, lifetime is the maximum. Well, every week they got to come to these meetings. Yep. So you get to know them. And I'm sure, like you said, you mentioned, um, uh, there are positive things coming out, right? Like, uh, oh, absolutely. All right, good. So. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the benefit of it is like, you know, I have some guys where they come in, hood over their head, all their phones out in their lap. And I'm like, every single week, leave, leave, leave. We're not doing this, you know? And so after a while, it's finally like, okay, I guess maybe I should start to participate because I'm going to jail every few weeks. So, you know, there's yeah, that they, idea. They need, they need an attitude adjustment. They exactly. Need, they can't exactly. come and they think they're going to do their street bullshit on you. Exactly. You know? exactly. The, inevitable, the inevitable question I have to ask you, and I'm sure it's, uh, do any of your clients come on to you? Yes. <laughs> So actually one of my first experiences with a pimp was in an intake. And this was before I even took over that part of our program. Mm -hmm. um, he came in and basically made a comment. His first comment to me was, you know how much money I can make off you in the street? And of course, like in my, <laughs> my mouth totally dropped, but at the same time I came back very quickly without actually thinking about it. Yeah. And had said, do you know how much money I'm making off of you? And so that didn't go over very well, but it was just yeah. a quick response. That's a great right? answer. <laughs> so I had told his parole agent, because I'm like, I felt bad afterwards. But the reality of it is, is like, you got to be quick-witted with these guys. And oh, the yeah, funny yeah. thing is, is like, after months and months and months of working with this guy, he joked about it. You know what I mean? Of like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that to you in the way that you came back at me with it. You know, you, you, know? should, have been, so, you should have taken his hat. Right, exactly. And hostage. You know what? Listen, honestly, it's a it's a horrible thing to say. You know, you shouldn't say that. But in the back of your head, like I'm thinking, like how much? Like I just started. Well, how much? What, like, how much could I make? <laughs> right, right. What are you basing that on? <laughs> then we're gonna, exactly. How much? Exactly. So, it, do, you have, do you have a deferred comp plan? <laughs> 401k? Right, exactly, exactly. This is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the guy that you, you got to go straight, and he's, fine, he's got a job, everything's together, and then he gets that first paycheck, and he's looking at the taxes that came out, and he's yeah. like, what the fuck is this? And then he's like, yo, he's telling everybody, you know how much I used to make on the street? <laughs> yep. 
One, yeah. one hoe, one hoe. Oh, you take this whole damn check. Yeah. <laughs> Where to work right here. And I used to love, I used to love all the, uh, the language from the street. The, 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 like with the pip, you're out of pocket. Or yeah. on, the, on the track, right? Yeah. Or they're supposed to prostitutes, or they're not supposed to look into the pimp's eyes, right? Yeah. Aren't yeah. there all these rules? Yes, that is the reality of it. And you know, there's a lot of times where they use the terms in my group, or they were using them in my groups, I should say, because yeah. I don't more. But the idea of using like bitch or hoe related to a woman, right? right? So we had to have conversations about that of like, hey, you know, when you're in my room and you're talking about a woman, you're going to use her name, right? And also the other thing that we started working on is because they would all kind of gang up together and they would talk like, oh, well, we're just a bunch of guys and we can just talk about this stuff. I'm like, no, you're going to look at me and talk then. Because if you can't be respectful because you're with a bunch of your guys, right. then I'm like, you're not going to look at them. You're going to look at me when you're doing your check-ins or things like that, which did work. Do you, you have group sessions with these guys? Yeah, it's nine at a time. Oh my God, not, you should have a nine millimeter at each one. <laughs> nine guys in a group? Yes. Is there people, I mean, obviously, uh, who, who's, who, what law authority is in there? Is there a sheriff in there with you? There's nobody. So they come to this, like, but they're out, though. They're out, they're civilians at this point, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're on ankle monitor. Um, our, I mean, we have, obviously, emergency panic buttons, things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, though, like, on my end, and I can say, knocking on wood, I have never felt unsafe um because of the rapport building that i really work hard on with them um and that's been something that's been really beneficial and i have noticed like i was actually pregnant my entire pregnancy there um the guys would basically back me up on anything that came up so if a new guy was coming into group and he started making comments to me the other guys would check them on it which is what i loved because it's like okay we've gotten to this point where they actually back me on things so it's not so they, like had, they had respect for you and they yes. wanted to make sure everyone else had respect for you. Exactly. And they know that one person can ruin the entire group. So they didn't want to risk that because group was going so well for them. Yeah. Hey, but suppose you come across somebody like that's in your group. He's not really like a pimp. He's more like, like, let's say Tom Cruise in Risky Business that, you know, he was actually stealing them from the bad pimp and then he was just going to get them honest work. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Right? That's exactly how it works. <laughs> it's all, all like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I mean, come on. Right. Shit is hard. Right. Come on. About, like, you're talking about cuties now, right? And now we're talking about Hollywood. I'm thinking about that other movie where um, the guy turns out to rap. He starts rapping. I love that movie, by the way. Um, Hustle and Flow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the main guy in there? What was that guy's name? I can't remember who it was. was well, anyway, but you know, like he was a pimp, but he was nice to them most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's how it can happen to start out, right? But then a lot of other things. But don't, they, don't they call him daddy? That's my daddy. Right. <laughs> that's, if, you look at, if you look at Hollywood, that's like, they're constantly pushing this, this thing in our face. Like, oh, it's not that bad. If, if you have like a nice pimp, you know, this guy was nice. And plus he became a rapper and he, he put them down. Right. You know, like you said, pretty woman. <laughs> they used to have that in, in the 80s in Manhattan on the west side. Mm -hmm. There were literally like hundreds of prostitutes walking the street. Yeah. The pimps would like, they were like a radio car watching their girls, you know. Yep. And it was, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it, it's, it's all cleaned up. It's probably 
going to go back to that eventually because right. of who right. they have in power right now. But it well, was, I don't know if it'll go back in the street because most of the, uh, the stuff is online now. Yeah, street walkers. But back in the day, like Bill said, man, we still have a bunch here. We still have a bunch here. I walk the street. Mm -hmm. That's the track, right? That's what the word yep. is. I'm on the. Yep. I'm going to the track. <laughs> yes, and you know, one of our uh, law enforcement officers, actually in Oakland, um, when I was down there, she actually went out on the street and posed as one, um, obviously with a gun on her hip and police to back her up around the corner. But um, just to kind of try and figure out like who's who, what are people doing out there, things like that. And she said, seeing across the street, a 10 year old little girl, you know, doing the same thing, minus wow. the gun on her hip. And she's terrified, even though she has a gun on her hip, you know, it's, she's like, just watching this is just, it was something else, you know, and it's sad to see that, that little girls they, get they involved. They used to do that on the NYPD, they call it Operation Losing Proposition. Mm. They would have the girls from the precinct pose as prostitutes. And, yep. and then they, sometimes they in Roosevelt Avenue where you had the um, the trans uh, the trans over there they, uh, the 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 male cops used to dress up and I remember one night I was <laughs> I was in the task force and we're driving around and we go by we go by because you know you're patrolling there's nothing to do so why don't we go check out back then it used to like the heshees we used to go by drive by there all the time. And now you see these two Irish guys with beer bellies. Like the only thing that they, had, they wore a skirt mm -hmm. with, their, with their dress shoes. I mean, you know, their uniform shoes. Right. And then they had the belly and then like they had a mustache and a beard and a wig. <laughs> like, you know, the, the, remember the big fat cop mustaches back then, but with a wig on too. And you know how many guys pulled over? How many oh cars? I'd be it's like, like, I'd be his pimp. I'd be like, you know how much money I can make you? Right, exactly. We'd drive by, and we'd be laughing so hard that they'd go over the radio. Central, we have an operation going on here. Can you tell everybody to stay, stay away from these two blocks where they had, they were trying to get the Johns who were picking up these, uh, the right. transvestites. And the, 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 the way these guys looked, man, I was like, unbelievable. I can't believe cars pull over for that. <laughs> Not attractive at all. But there was some really attractive ones over there. There was they used to have a contest because that was uh, all Latin over there, Colombian and Ecuadorian. And they used to have a contest over there, and whoever won that was probably like the best one in the country. <laughs> Beautiful man, you can never tell. You can never ever tell. Trust me, I got fooled a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you ever ran into marketing these sex trafficking. <laughs> oh, haven't done that yet. Yeah, I guess he doesn't want to fly to Sacramento. Right, exactly. Fool uh, me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> right. What's, what's the most right. challenging part of your job? Um, ooh. there's a lot of challenging parts of it. I think the idea that, so I'll, I'll kind of like backtrack a little bit. Um, for when people get their masters and stuff in social work or things like that, because I'm a social worker, so. When they get that, you don't learn how to work with mandated clients. And mandated clients are a whole other challenge. Right. Um, I like it because I like the challenge. I like the idea that, you know, you're having to work to engage these people. And it makes you get creative. So I feel like it really makes you a better professional. Whereas you have people that, you know, you could take that are just willing to come in. And, you know, I have, su I have suicidal ideation or, you know, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or things like that. You have these guys that do not want to be there. 
and, you know, are going to go and run most of the time, or, you know, they're just going to sit there. There's many times where I've just sat there for 50 minutes with a client and an individual because they don't want to talk. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting paid for this time. So you're still going to sit here and I'll just do my notes then. Because I mean, what do you do at that point? Right. If you don't want to engage. I'm not going to force you. Right. Um, well, so well, I would say that happens sometimes, especially in the start of treatment for them. Throw on Goodwill hunting. And then you both watch, <laughs> sit there and watch. <laughs> right. Matt Damon and Rob Williams not talk to each other. <laughs> that would be hysterical if you did that. Yes. <laughs> if you had it queued up just to that part. Right. just sat there and talked here i got something for you and you just put that on and you both watch that that'd be great <laughs> i guarantee you that would break the ice exactly it's hysterical exactly <laughs> if they don't fulfill their um reporting mandate will they violate them and put them back in prison so technically they go back to jail um not prison if they go to prison it's because of other reasons it's obviously more felony type stuff okay, where they would so go back I, to prison so these guys are in jail so this is, this is somewhat, then this would be more like probation. So no, so they, they come out of prison. This is, some of them do do, so there's two different sections. So we have probation level and then we have parole. Parole tends to be, our pimps are mostly all on parole, our pimps and traffickers. Right. Um, so they come out of prison, they come to us the entire time of their, their parole. Now it's kind of like, it feels like it's a lot harder for people to go back to prison unless it's something more extreme. So if they're not showing up to treatment, it's going to be more of a jail thing. So they go to jail for a few months or whatever. Um, and that's the same thing. Like they, they can miss like one here and there, I think is kind of like a little bit of, there's a little bit of wiggle room with that. Like, let's say they have a job interview or something like that during their group time. It happens. Uh -huh. um, but it's when they're consistently not attending that they tend to get thrown in jail for a little time out for a little bit. We got a plane coming in from Ecuador. I have to miss that meeting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know what? Do you have a plan to put something together for parents? I think parents need to hear this. Uh, I think it's a message that needs to be uh, put to, um, you know, so the parents can tell their kids what to look out for. Maybe they can watch it together. Even if you just did something on YouTube, your own channel, and you, you just, I'm telling you, man, this is important stuff for right. parents. Yeah, and I actually have two kids of my own, too. I have a little boy and a little girl. I have a almost one-year-old. In two weeks, he'll be one. And then I have an almost four-year-old little girl um, that will be four in November. So, you know, having two little kids is obviously a big reason why I do what I do. I think having the insight that I have, not a, a lot of people get, um, because they don't work in this field, um, particularly with uh, sex traffickers. And I don't really know anybody um, in California that works particularly just with these guys. So, um, I mean, having that insight, it's been helpful for friends, things like that. But yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't even think about that side of it. Um, I know that they do, what is it called? There's like a sexual assault prevention education type of thing that they do in the schools. I did that for a while, um, but they didn't really ever like specify with, you know, sex trafficking or things like that, human trafficking in general. Um, but I think it would be good, especially right now with everything being online and, you know, well, we're noticing a lot of people are getting victims through that. You just mentioned everything being online. Okay, so we know about the street and we know about going to the grocery store, this, that, and the other. Right. But imagine that it's even possible for somebody to pimp somebody out that just that they met online. Right. And that includes, like, like, a lot of these teenagers don't know, but, like, Snapchat is a good one, right? So, like, we think our pictures end after 10 seconds. That's your max time you can add on there. 
But, you know, there's a lot of times where people are taking these pictures and they're using them on the internet. And this is just in general, it's not just for sex trafficking, but there's times where people have used those on the internet um, for child pornography or things like that. And that's something that I've had to teach kids about too, is you're sending your boyfriend a nude picture of yourself. That's already distribution of child porn, right? right? So, and they're not getting that. A lot of teenagers don't get that. So when I was teaching that stuff in the schools, it was kind of like, oh my God, wait, what? You know, I can get in trouble for this. Um, but it's true, you know, and now your boyfriend has this child porn on his phone. Stop doing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what also, too, that's the way that I, I remember when I was in the squad, there were, I had a couple of cases like that where, uh, you know, somebody claimed that they had your nude pictures and if you didn't send the money, they were going to put out, put it out or something like that. And there was a couple of girls that got scammed. Yeah. I worked in the precinct I worked in, we had like five colleges in there. Right. That was a big thing. Girls would come in and it'd be like, oh, I got this email from somebody that claims they have a, a picture of me and, and they, they're going to release it if I don't give them so much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, the, 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 there's so many sexual deviants out there. Oh, absolutely. But I think the parents really need to know um, about the sex trafficking and how that happens as far as, um, you know, just trying to fit into a clique for a girl. She thinks she might be a, a gang member, a gang banger. Right. But in reality, she's she's going to be part of the gang, but she, she's not going to be a gang banger. She's going to be the one they gang bang. Right. Okay. right. See, I was just came up with that right now. That's pretty good. You can use that. <laughs> right. You thought you were going to be a gang banger, but instead you got gang bang. That's true. You can use that. Take that. It's yeah, all, all right. I'll take it. Like you got it from a rap <laughs> Well, but it's true because a lot of these girls think that they may get down with the click and they may get down and be part of, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden they're getting turned out. Right. You know what I'm saying? They, they, it's for a party and then the next thing you know, so-and-so and we're making money, Ma, why are you doing this? Right. You know? Look at how yeah, much no, a lot of the time that both, not only the pimps, but the girls that are being pimped out, they all get addicted to that money. Um, and the lifestyle that comes with that. So knowing that my pimp is going to pay for me to get my nails done every single week because I never had that before or get my na- my hair done every single week or whatever it is, there's all these things that come with it. And so they think that that's a lifestyle. Like that's, you know, there's this idea that I feel yeah. like I can do things I've never been able to do before. I think they um, also bring drugs into the equation. I'm yes. sure, as you know, yep. a good way to control people. Now, yeah, I want to ask you, have you ever run into one of your clients outside the work area i have um but more so like we didn't really like we didn't really he didn't see me i saw him um i was at a restaurant and he was on the corner with some girl um so i had seen that before but other than that that's the only time that i ran into that, one that, i actually live in a different weird. county right that could be pretty weird or pretty uh right Yeah, we actually, so my thing is, and I always tell my clients this, like when you guys are out in public and let's say we run into each other, which isn't common because I live in a different county than a lot of them do. Um, So I'm like, you know, if I see you in public or something, or you see me, just keep walking. I'm like, don't take offense to it. I'm not going to take offense to it. You don't need to know any of my family or friends, and I don't need to know any of yours. They don't need to know if you're on parole or not, or you come to me for therapy or not. It doesn't matter. So I didn't ever have that issue. There was just a few times where like I had seen somebody or something like that, not necessarily our pimps, but some of our other clients. And it just kind of was like a walk past type of thing. There was no stopping, no nothing. Right. So yeah. They call you Miss O'Daniel or Mrs. O'Daniel? They just call me Brie. Oh, they call you Brie. Okay. Yeah. Hey, um, 
Let me ask you about this, because this is interesting to me, too. The fact that this sugar daddy culture is very popular amongst the, uh, the young girls. And uh, also uh, that other thing, uh, fan, only fans. So you're getting these young girls, they're watching, uh, they think that other girls are making so much money on, right. um, you know, on the internet and stuff like that, on Instagram, and uh, I don't know where else they go. Um, I'm too old for that shit, but uh, I know they do it on Instagram, but the sugar daddy There's thing- There's no MySpace around anymore, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still have AOL for email. <laughs> the sugar daddy- It's fine. <laughs> You know, you're fighting against the, uh, uh, the tidal wave right now because at the same time you're fighting against reality, you also have all these uh, other forces, you know, kind of sort of minimalizing it. Eh, it's no big deal. I got a sugar daddy. He pays for everything. You know, how many sugar daddies do you have? That's another show that's on Netflix, by the way. I was watching it. Um, it's about girls that, like, they have more than one guy paying for more than one thing. One guy pays for my electric. Other guy pays for my hair to get done. This guy pays for my apartment, right. and, and they got to they got to coming in like a wave. You know, they got to know. Oh, when this that, that's called a hoe. <laughs> but you know what? You know, you're fighting against this thing, sex right. trafficking, and yet there's so much of it going on. A lot of it voluntarily, or you may think it's voluntarily, but now she's used to that lifestyle, so she can't go back. Right. Right. And there's that, I mean, I do see people doing that. I actually know somebody who her close friend was doing that. Um, and the idea of like, oh, well, it started out as I only had to go out with him as like arm candy in order to get paid or get this or get that. And then it turned into something sexual. And then it turned into now he's beating me because I'm not doing things that he's asking me to do. Um, or I feel like I'm, you know, locked into this and I can't get out of it because now I'm used to this lifestyle, like what you said, or I have this brand new car and he's going to take it all away from me as soon as, you know, this, I break up with him or I don't talk to him anymore. So yeah, so that is the thing. Um, and I think a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, but there are a lot of, uh, college students or things like that as well, that I think utilize that, um, knowing that they don't have to pay for college if somebody is helping them out. Um, and unfortunately, like that's, that's how some people would rather live is no like, Oh, I don't have to be in debt or anything, but I just have to do these things for this person. Um, sort of the level of the prostitution too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It is a right. It's right. Prostitution really. Right. Yeah, because it, in the one hand, it, you know, it's kind of sort of promoted and it's, it's, you know, like girls are after it. And then, you know, if you're a guy and you have any kind of business sense at all, why, you know, why wouldn't you gravitate to that? I could take two Instagram, three Instagram models and I can make you some real money. You're making this. Let's meet these people now. Right, right. You know, I'll set it up. I'll make sure nothing bad happens to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You get together. Let's get together. What's I'll throw an Instagram party. Right. Of all the top girls that are on, you know, I'm a moron, but I just came up with a great idea right now. <laughs> you can't have a gender reveal party. Right. And upstairs, upstairs, you're going to get to have a, a couple of moments with your, your favorite Instagram girl. That's how we pay it. We pay me down here. Yeah, I see that a lot when I went down to Florida, like in the ritzy areas like Boca Raton and stuff. You see a lot of really hot young girls, which like old guys, sugar daddies, you know. And I'm like, well, how, how this that, you know, I obviously I know how it happened, but right, right. more prevalent, I guess, in areas that are more affluent. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to see the janitor from the high school being a sugar daddy. To <laughs> right, right. Daddy, right. And you never know. 
you know, that's true. You never know. You never know. So yeah. I see also on your um, your bio, you deal a lot with uh, families and suicide risk assessments and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So that's stuff that I've done. I mean, even here, I'm do dealing with some of the families and stuff to some of these guys. Um, so sometimes it's, and suicide risk assessments happen a lot. Um, not necessarily with our pimps, which is interesting. It's more so some of our other sex offenders. Um, so a lot of the time I never, it's like, I never saw a pimp commit suicide. No, no, me neither. I bet you if you look at occupation, he's likely to commit suicide. Right, right. So, um, yeah, a lot of our, I actually worked with kids with disabilities prior to all of this when I was going through college. I did that for about 10 years when I did my undergrad as well as my graduate school and part of high school. Um, and so with that, that group of people, I worked with their families, I worked with them, um, then came into, I actually worked with Napa County with their mental health court unit. And so there was some suicide risk going on there. Um, and then here working with families, their, their significant others, maybe they're having a hard time dealing with now they're out of prison and you know, I have this wife and I don't even know what to do because I'm so used to being in prison for the last 16 years. How do you take someone back? How do you take someone back that's been in prison for 16 years? I mean, seriously, like the whole world's changed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. technology, you've changed, you've grown different. And this guy's been in a jail cell for 16 right. years. He's right. going to come home, honey, I'm home. Right, right. <laughs> Yes. And you know, like that's, that's a big thing is like a lot of obviously their wives or maybe their girlfriends at the time when this happened, they're holding on to things because you know, they've been cheated on and this guy raped some girl or something like that, or there was a molestation that occurred, but they still stayed with them. And so now they're still holding on to all of that. And so having to work through those things of like, either you're going to work through it or you're not, but this is therapy can either lead to one thing or the other, right? So either you guys are going to decide you don't want to be together or you're going to decide that you want to work it out. How do you take a sex offender back into your home, say, and you have daughters and stuff? How do you do, you know? Some of them aren't allowed to. Um, so like if it's, let's say that their victim was their biological child, they're not allowed to go back to that home. Right. Um, if it is somebody that was a stranger or a stepchild, but they have biological children, they are allowed to be with their biological children because it wasn't their actual child that was the victim. Now, if they're close to the same age as the victim, there's a lot of close watch on those guys. And I also do a lot of assessments on my end when dealing with that, um, just because I want to make sure that the, the children are safe too. Um, and that's obviously number one priority is to make sure that, you know, when dad's home or mom's home or whatever, that this isn't occurring, um, you know, and that they are being kept safe through all of it. Isn't there really no cure for a sex offender? So surprisingly, um, for when we think of like sex offenders, I think a lot of people think automatically that it's our guys that are like jumping out of the bushes and grabbing girls as they're jogging by, or our guys that are, you know, have multiple child um, children that they've been with, things like that. A lot of the time what we see is, and this is just where I'm at, these guys may have been labeled an SVP, which is sexually violent predator, but they're, they have one offense. So all their time that they've been there, the reason why they would be considered like a non-high risk offender would be because they only have one victim and there's not a big long criminal history. It also depends on their age of their crime too. But the percentage is like less than 11% that re-offend sexually. 
So right. it's pretty low, but for other offenses, it's like 80%, which would be like drugs or theft or, you know, anything else other than sex offenses. How about, uh, how many R. Kelly's you see? Like that, that type of... <laughs> you always know, up the showbiz ones. Right? No, because the thing is, like, he's not really like, uh, like a sex trafficker, but he, he does do all the things sex traffickers do. He gets it, he doesn't let them communicate with their family or their friends. He keeps them entrapped, um, you know, they're uh, underage. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're crossing state to get to him or travel with him at being underage. So there's right. a lot of similarities between that. So, you know, this is, you know, Al Kelly's like the most obvious one that we know. Like, he's not, I don't know if he shares the girls, because that would be another charge. Right. So he would be more considered in our eyes, probably more of an SVP, which would be someone who's sexually violent predator. So somebody, not necessarily, when you think SVP, you're thinking someone that is super violent with them. We don't necessarily mean that. We mean like there's multiple victims. This is something that they're doing all the time. And so we know that that's kind of his history. But depending um, on the age, he's also a pedophile. Right, exactly. Well, let's put, exactly. The, let's put the label on him that he deserves. He's a pedophile. Right. Right. So, and you know, like that falls under like the SVPs and stuff. So like a lot of our guys that we treat and stuff, when it comes to like the pedophilia side of things, we have some that are true pedophiles, but we also have some that they have one victim and there was a lot of things going on at that time. Not that I'm making any kind of justification for them, but when you think about things um, in that time of their life and what was going on then, they made a terrible, terrible choice, obviously. And I never say that you made not, or you had an accident or you did, you know, this was accidental because it's not yeah. accidental, right? This was a choice you made that you planned out. Um, and so when we think of people that are more of SVPs, those are our people that are like in our Toscadero hospitals or things like that. Those are people that we know once they're let out, sometimes more often than not, they're gonna go and find someone else again. Um, but a lot of our guys, it tends to be like a family member, which we know is very high percentage of people when they do have a sex fence, that it's someone that they know. Right. Um, so it tends to be like daughters, granddaughters, grandsons, you know, whatever, cousins, nephews, things like that, um, that it tends to be more so than just like a random stranger victim. And it tends to be one person, at least that we know about, right? Um, so never, never have anyone show up in a Boy Scout uniform. <laughs> no, I think they would be kicked out. <laughs> how, about, how about a priest? Do you get any clergy? You know, we do, actually. We do. I, well, I would think so. I mean, it's such a prevalent profession to have that happen, you know? Yes. But I think, do. you know, what's crazy is, you can hear, like, the law. I just read something about California. They were trying to change some of the sexual offense laws in dealing yeah. with files, claiming yes. that... Uh, I don't know if it was transvestite or, or some sexual orientation. Hey. They can only have sex with younger people. It's really not the same thing. And I was just like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, no. Well, they were talking about gay sex, uh, a, a man with, uh, with a young boy, and how somehow if it was uh, the age group was similar to heterosexual sex, it was a lesser crime. But in, in the gay world, if, uh, if they were both male, then they were getting the stiffer uh, sentence, which meant even though you're considered like a sexual uh, uh, a predator on that list, you would get an A if it was a woman, but you would get like the maximum, which is like a C or a D or vice versa, if, you, if, it, was, if it was a boy. Mm. So that was the discrepancy that Bill's talking about. That's what they're trying to change. 
It would still be a pedophilia, but it was just it wouldn't be that that same variance on the. Yeah, well, look, there's there's people. There was a professor from Rutgers University that wrote this whole article that pedophilia shouldn't be a crime. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's horrendous, and it was and it was a bunch of years ago. Some PhD from Rutgers saying that oh, it's you know it's yeah, but it's a professor. What's that? It's a professor saying that. That's what, well, you're a professor too, but I'm. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. They couldn't function in like the real world, and they, they're, so they become professors so they can say this fucking crazy shit, and you can't fire them. They don't. They never say it before they get tenure. Once they get tenure, then all of a sudden they start saying crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I guess. So why did you choose this field? Um. So kind of like what I talked about earlier. So um. It's actually interesting. So originally, I did not want to take this job. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I was going to be working with pimps or sex traffickers. I didn't even know that at the time. So going into it, I knew I would be working with perpetrators. Um, and so for me, you know, having been through what I had been through, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. But also knowing that, hey, like someone's got to do this work. And also, what better person than somebody who's been through it and can actually be able to, you know, empathize on the side of like, this is the stuff that happens to people when you guys decide to make these choices. Um, and, you know, never using, I never used myself as an example or anything, but when we talked about victim empathy, you know, there's that idea of like, these are the things and it's, you know, it can be triggering for us too, but these are the things that these people once had. So whether it was like, and this is an activity I do with them, you know, maybe they were really comfortable with their grandpa and their mom and their uncle. Now, all of a sudden, they can't be comfortable with any of those people because... No, I got nervous one day when Mark showed up to our show dressed as a Boy Scout leader. Yeah, so... you wore a priest collar another day. Exactly, exactly. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's, you know, just having been through something, you know, that I can relate to them on in that sense, um, but also understanding that they're still people, people make terrible mistakes, don't get me wrong. Um, and, you know, the idea of being able to kind of hear each of their own backgrounds, too, and seeing them as the individuals that they are. For me, it was like, being able to do that already helped me to be able to kind of look at it in a different way rather than, oh my God, I got to work with this population that number one is difficult because they're mandated, but also just the idea of working with a population that not many people get to work with and choose not to work with. I would think most um, people would be so turned off by that population. Exactly. Exactly. Take me through this group. Okay. So I'm showing up for the first time. Do I sign in? Yep. I sign in and there's, there's uh, chairs there and stuff. I, I grab a chair. Yeah, so it's a circle in the room. So um, if you can imagine like a square room, there's nine, ch 10 chairs, including my own. Uh -huh. um, everybody sits down and you pass the little sign-in sheet around the room. You sign in your name two times for a three-hour group and one time for an hour and a half group. Um, and then we do check-ins. So how was your week? How are things going? One by um, one? I'm sorry? One by one? Yes, so everybody gets a chance. Um, be like a hog, right? Like, dude, shut the fuck up, bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, if I know that the guys are going to, they're like that every group, I'm like, all right, you got 30 seconds. Um, you know, I give them a timeline, basically, to do their checking. Because they'll purposely the guy, He's like, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Yep. It's yep. Good. I have those two. Yeah, huh? And yeah, then, or, or they'll be like, I know that this is the after show, so I'm good to cuss, right? 
So they'll be they'll be like, uh, you know, fuck this, I don't want to be here. This is bullshit. I'm gonna go to jail. I don't even care anymore. And they walk out. So we have those too. <laughs> you know. If you're not gonna chase them. Go ahead, leave. Right. Exactly. No, I'm not chasing them. Most of them don't bail out once they see you. No, that's our instructor. I'll stick around for a minute. <laughs> yeah, and some of them will make inappropriate comments. So I'm like, yeah, well, they ever say, Bree, I gotta go, man. Just sign me in, all right? Yeah, exactly. That too. Or they sign in for both halves with three hours. <laughs> up on that attendance sheet. So uh, do, do you, like, you do a lecture after that, and then you break it down into talking to individuals, or do you just go into, like, everybody gets a moment? So typically, so the three-hour groups, as you can imagine, is a really long time. Um, so we do our check-ins. I do about a 15-minute break after that, and then we do our lecture of everything. And then another 15-minute so. break. <laughs> <laughs> go to lunch. Right? So um, we go into like the last probably hour and 45 or so. So it takes a little bit, probably about an hour to do check-ins and stuff for everybody. Um, I actually do one with them as well, just to make myself a part of the group. So they always feel like, you know, I have something to add with them. Wait a minute. You tell them what you did on your summer vacation too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I did on my summer vacation. Right. Exactly. No, um, so we normally do like our little check-ins like that and then do the break and then we come back and I choose a topic that we're talking about for the day. Normally that topic lasts for a few weeks. So we might be talking about change, right? So the different types of change, um, what stages are you guys in, things like that. And we talk about that. And then we'll do an activity. I really do want to change. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Interesting, because you don't want to share too much. It's interesting what you can possibly, what you can even share. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because you yep. don't want to let anybody know where you live or the, you right. know, family or anything like that. Because you don't know who these right. people are. I mean, 99% right. of them will be fine. But then you get that one that, you know. Right. Exactly. Well, like the correction officers, they always tell you they don't wear a wedding ring. They don't show anything that connects it to the outside world because they don't want the prisoners to have anything to use against them. Right. Right. It could be similar for, you know, like, you don't go, oh, I was at Walmart. I really had it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, like, the biggest piece, I mean, obviously, all my clients knew I was pregnant through all my pregnancy. I was there <laughs> um, from day one to the very last day. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of them were asking, like, is your baby okay? As soon as I came back, things like that. You know, obviously, I'm like, yes, he's doing good, and then just leave it at that type of thing. Right, right, um, right. But, you know, there's stuff like that where it's, like, it's hard to keep that from them. I'm like, I just ate some really good burritos this week, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's well, my food, baby. Are you for the baby? You the present for the baby. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> you know, but, but in your field, an MSW, down the road, if you, if you want to make money, the way to make money is to become a therapist, right? So I am actually, I've already submitted all my stuff to get licensed. I just have to take the exam and I'm waiting for them to send that back to me. So saying, you're going for the bucks. You're going for the yeah. big bucks and going away from. Social workers don't make that much money. <laughs> I don't blame you. I go for the bucks too. Right, right. But then what are you going to do? Family counseling? No, so I would continue doing this. Um, I honestly don't really like working with kids. Um, I think working with the families is the hardest part. I like the kids. I don't like the families. Um, I think that sometimes you do a lot of work for, with the kids and then they go home to this environment again and it's just this constant like cycle. 
Um, and it's really, really hard to work with families that don't necessarily, nobody wants to be told how to parent, right? right, right. So um, I actually prefer working with adults, although a lot of my guys are a bunch of big babies. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't have to deal with their parents. <laughs> so. Well, God bless them to their parents, but their parents is the state. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. For the state, right? man, you're fi you're fighting uh, sex traffickers, man. God bless you, man. Thank you. Leon, so, but you work for the state, right? No. So I am actually. So um, I was contracted with the state through the agency I was working with before. So right. basically, what happens is like there's different sex offender treatment centers that have to get contracted through the state. That's what it was. Um, ideally, I would love to get in with the state eventually, and I think that, as we know, sex trafficking is getting bigger and bigger, although it's been around a long time. Um, I think that that might, there might be some opportunity at some point soon, even with me getting in law, with law enforcement recently has been a really good thing for me, too. Well, why would, would, it, would the, just because if you went with the state, you get a pension and they would be better, is that why? Uh, yeah. And I just feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of room there. Like versus what I, you know, what I was doing before, it just kind of is like, there's only a certain growth there. And if the contract is lost, the contract is lost. Like there's no, you know, so I feel like if there's more of a permanent position, um, and I actually like, I really love working with law enforcement too. And I think that's a good dynamic to have, um, having both sides of it, uh, being able to work together to work with these guys, because you don't always have that you have, you know, you can have someone who comes in that actually is able to speak to them on a different level. And I think that's a big thing that we have is when I talk to some of our law enforcement officers, it's like, you know, I come in with my badge, I come in with all these different things. And of course, they're not going to talk to me, you know, and so having someone come in, that's more of like a neutral party, sometimes can be a little more helpful. Um, also, just the training side of stuff I really love, which is what I had started doing just last month. Um, and I'm really enjoying that too, because I think that that's needed as well, um, just to kind of get more of background of these guys and different things that we work on with them. Um, you know. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to pimp you out right now. <laughs> I see a great book in you. And I see a YouTube channel with tutorials for parents that, and a podcast that's, that's killer. That's right. I'm telling you. You got it in you. It's a really, it's a really interesting uh, topic. And as a parent, I'm telling you right now, I would love to know from somebody who knows what I can look out for, for my, my kids, my daughter, like, how can I make sure that uh, the telltale signs, because so many parents are oblivious. I grew up in the city, so I knew, but the boy who's a little bit too friendly, you know what I'm saying? You could even have him over your house. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, she's got a crush on him, but he's in a supposedly in a gang. And stuff like that. All that stuff is, is useful. And you have all that knowledge. I'm telling you right now. You can make a, you can make a buck, man. You got to be entrepreneurial, though. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. Thank you. The social worker and the, the Boy Scout leader. Right, exactly. Listen, you, 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 you made it. You hung out with us for an hour. God bless you. I don't know how you did it. Most people want Me neither. To... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were great. You were very easy to talk to. Thanks. Bear with us while we uh, plug our uh, Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, and then we'll nice end off. You want me to plug it or you? Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll plug the Patreon and then we'll, we'll give her a nice send off. And, uh, and the, go ahead, you can plug it. Okay. Mark <laughs> and I uh, 
We're on a site called Patreon, www.patreon.com slash police off the cuff. And basically what that is, is we give our Patreon customers extra episodes and more content because we want your money. Because by giving this out there for free, doesn't make us any coin, you know? And we're too old to now go into the, uh, to go work for the state. We already did go, we already did work for the state. They're paying us, they, they're paying us till we die, you know? That's why, you know, some people have those DNRs, do not resuscitate on the, in their will. But I have a pension, so I have a DR. And that stands for do resuscitate. Keep me alive, even if I'm 60 fucking pounds. My family, my, family, my family needs that pension. But we also need your dollars on our Patreon. And we're, we're actually picking up. We've had it for a month. We got 28 Patreon customers so far. We had a new one today. I'm and yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm putting up episodes one-on-one uh, -on -one with Mark DeMeo, special interviews. And Bill's got his uh, podcast that he does about true crime. And uh, it's, all, it's all good stuff, man. Great, great content. There's more coming. We have um, a tribute that I'm putting together to a, an officer that we all loved here in New York City, a famous detective. And um, check it out. It's uh, Police Off the Cuff on Patreon at patreon.com. And for our guest who came, you know, who came through all the way from California tonight. It was a long flight. She raced home to get home. Thanks to my two lovely sugar daddies right here. That's right. Your sugar daddies. <laughs> I hope you didn't blow any of those like those red light cameras. They'll send you the summonses in the mail. But I was just out on Long Island over the weekend. And I couldn't believe I was on this road called Old Country Road. Every third light had a camera because I was I had ways on. And it's saying red light camera coming up. Red, I was like, what is this? Uh -huh. it's so crazy. All they're doing is trying to get paid. The government's trying to get paid at every damn juncture. You know? Yeah. <laughs> These pimps, they should, the, the politicians should have an ankle bracelet on and they should come see you once a week and you should say, okay, how was your week? Hey, that's not the first time I've heard that, by the way. Hey, the guys will say that. The red light cameras? Or about the politicians wearing ankle bracelets? The politicians wearing ankle monitors. <laughs> Hey, Bree, if uh, somebody wanted to hire you for a lecture or a speaker, where can they find you? Um, they can email me at Brianna, it's B-R-I-A-N-A -A dot O'Daniel, O-D-A-N-I-E-L, at gmail.com. And you're also on LinkedIn, too, right? I am under Brianna that's O'Daniel. Where, that's where I found her. Yes. I was trolling LinkedIn like a pimp. <laughs> Well, on that note, that's a great way to know. Thank you for tuning. Thanks to our fans for tuning in tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Mark DeMeo. Uh, I had a great time with you. Uh, Bill, any parting words? Really, thank you so much for being a guest. You were great. Thank and, you. And you're prettier on Zoom than you are on LinkedIn. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm like, is the lighting good? Am I good? The lighting was perfect. <laughs> thank you so much, Brianna. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a nice night, though.